So look, I mean, food waste comes from, you know, it, it, it's quite complex. You know, it's not all about the bin. Uh, it's, it's like I said, you know, it's many actors that create the parts. So a few stats um, that I have, you know, 23% of food waste would be from production, 12% from storage and handling. So how it gets to you and what you do with it. Processing, whenever you're doing anything, there's going to be an element of waste. So trying to eliminate that, 5% is processing. But the biggest player uh, of the pack would be uh, 52% happens uh, at food consumption. Welcome to Food Service Matters, where we bring you cutting edge conversations with industry leaders in the food service sector. I am your host, Patrick McDermott, the CEO of Digitally. And in each episode, my guest and I will delve into the key challenges and opportunities facing the food service industry, highlighting the latest trends and creating a dynamic space for discussions about the future of the sector. Join us as we explore the world of food service and discover the latest innovations and best practices that are shaping our sector. Welcome to Food Service Matters with me, Patrick McDermott. Our guest today is Ali Honor, a climate conscious chef, activist and advisor with a focus on food waste and sustainable food systems who encourages positive changes in the food service industry with a passion for sustainability and innovation. I'll be talking to Ali about how she helps numerous businesses increase their profit margins with her sustainable approaches to menu planning and reducing labour costs. We discuss the importance of customer and staff engagement in achieving positive outcomes, as well as keeping a finger on the pulse of the latest innovations in the industry. Ali also shares her key philosophies on how industry collaboration and awareness is vital in driving progress. So let's get started. Ali, lovely to have you on Food Service Matters. Great to be here, Patrick. Thank you for inviting me. So tell me about you and how you started to work in the food industry. Okay, so it's quite a long story, so I'll try and cut it down. Um, I started when I was 13 uh, professionally in the in the in the food industry um, so that'll be 30 years next year um, but it all started really for me with connection of food and love of food um, and bringing others joy by me making them food it gave me such um, you know it, it just gave me such a purpose especially when I was younger um, and I had great uh, grandparents that um, were one was a farmer and a butcher and had a pub so my business acumen came from him um and you know just the 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 understanding of how where food comes from um how it's grown the importance of agriculture and biodiversity um and then the other grandparents were you know wartime had that wartime sort of attitude where you know we need to utilize everything um grandpa used to grow all the vegetables and I used to help him and we used to harvest them take them into granny and she would show me you know how to break everything down and and utilize every single you know part of it um so that really stemmed who I was from from a very early age and never really it's never wavered but it's how I've evolved then um through the industry as the many years have gone on I suppose great it's when I hear of a farm a butcher uh, pub and the only thing that's missing is the undertakers that you're looking after. <laughs> no, they didn't get it, into it's, that. It's very Irish where you're, look, you're looking after them from the very start to the very end of their life. Um, so no, it's, a, it's, it's an interesting uh, one. And so with your, your grandparents and they, uh, that led you into a career uh, working in commercial kitchens. And mm. tell me, tell me about that, because again, 30 years in the in the industry I was going to say you don't look old enough uh, to have that level of experience but tell me about those uh, where you worked the type of businesses uh, and what drove you to be where you are now today yeah I, I have the scars I, I, I trust you that if I might not look at look like it but um thank you um yeah I I think I'm very lucky um that I've seen every single part of the industry throughout the years. Um, so I started at the very bottom um, and worked my way up with always that drive that I wanted to improve and to make things better. 
um, even at an early age before we started talking about, you know, the current issues that, that are very much paramount now to, to, to the food industry. Um, it was very much, um, you know, respecting the food, respecting people, um, understanding where the food comes from and having fun and being creative with it. Um, it's always been a part of me. I have to be, I'm a very creative person. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, innovative in how I'm thinking about food and, you know, what's next and all that kind of thing. Um, but I always wanted to, to excel and to, to get as far as possible. And, and to me, even now, you know, there's no end, you know, there's no end of the road. Um, it's just how you evolve. And um, so, you know, I remember great fun, you know, hard years in the kitchen. Um, and um, it allowed me to travel around Europe, which was amazing. Um, but I always wanted to run my own businesses. It was always sort of in me. Obviously, that, that comes from grandpa um, to um, to showcase, you know, exactly what I could do, but also, you know, all of the all of the ways of running a business um, and to show that, you know, I was not just a good chef, that I was also a good businesswoman. Yeah, because chefing is one of those industries where you can travel on it and use it in any town and city that you go into. And was it really restaurants or the bar or the hotel side that really uh, got you more uh, interested? Um, well, from an early age, it was restaurants. It was that restaurant buzz. Um you know, the service, I loved, I loved the prep, but I just loved service. Um, and, um, being able to present and serve your food, you know, that you'd been busy, you know, prepping for, um, and showing beautiful plates and watching them go out into service and, and people enjoying them. I think that was all when I was younger, it was, it was, you know, and still is, you know, I still love doing pop-up events and things, you know, you do just get that adrenaline buzz um from service um but I think it's just it, it's it's a combination of things it's um you know the connection with the food with the producer with the you know who's your supplier who's your team it's the whole you know collaboration of people coming together to produce something wonderful um and over the years I think you know you can go through sort of different dips especially as a chef you know it's like you know I want to do this my way and I want to do this and this is who I am um, and everyone is guilty of that to a certain extent, um, but it's it's how you evolve and you and you grow throughout, um, and just want more in terms of you want to work with more people um, and get more people involved and more people engaged um, and educate. That's always been my my biggest sort of drive um, is, is is educating and and continuous improvement. You know, with everybody and everything, including myself. So with those key learnings and when it comes to uh, a term I, I, I love using is the, the nuggets of wisdom, mm. uh, what would you say would they be the key learnings over that 30 year working history? Um, an open mind um, to to lots of possibilities. Um, we can be very guilty in the industry of sort of living in our bubble um, and sort of just keeping keeping that to ourselves and, and, and not really exploring what else is going on around us. So it's about um, sort of being on the pulse, you know, continually moving, um, continually looking, you know, continually trying to improve, um, not resting on your laurels. I think that's, that's the most important thing. Yeah. And you mentioned at the start about the, the using every part of the ingredient. Tell me more. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, it seems strange um that more people aren't doing it um and i think that's because there's just been too many um easy options provided to people um you know cheats shortcuts um you know buying in veg prepped is a huge one especially in the food service industry um but do you think is good or isn't good i don't think it's good no no unless Why? unless you unless you were unless you were going to a supplier and saying okay i want cauliflower but I want the whole cauliflower divided up I can see I can see some you know some logic in that from a labor point of view um but where did the rest of the cauliflower go that was taken into the you know into the into the uh, veg supplier um so zero waste is to me taking an ingredient as a whole um and utilizing the whole bit so most people would do that with a cow or a sheep 
or a pig. It's very common to, you know, butchery and breaking all the parts down and utilizing them. Um, a lot of people don't do it or understand it when it comes to vegetables and fruits. Um, so my approach here is to, to utilize and to showcase, you know, every part of a vegetable um, and that how it can go into different dishes and um, and it's then nothing goes in the bin. You know, it seems to be acceptable in most places when you discuss food waste that veg peelings are allowed to go into the bin. Um, you know, I disagree. Um, there's so many things that can be done. So why put it in the bin? Um, same with coffee grounds, um, you know, is another acceptable thing to go into the bin. Whereas you can cook with them, you know, you can, um, you can grow vegetables, you can grow mushrooms with them. Um, you can make kombuchas. There's just, again, it's kind of endless. And that's the thing is once you accept and you have that mind shift into zero waste, there is no going back from it. So it's just getting people involved and engaged um, into it. And then I find that most people are just going to go, oh, wow, you know, what else can I do, you know? Brilliant. There's going back to the prepped veg yeah. uh, aspect of it because you're, you're giving me more questions and more questions. No. So I'll jump in with them. With, with the prepped veg side of things, the argument that a lot of businesses would use now is that it's very difficult to get people to turn up to work and to come along and do it. Never mind getting them to do a low value task of prepping veg. Um, I can understand that why people would do it and i understand also your side of why you would do it but how can you get that even balance between the cost of doing something and then the uh, the benefit out of um not getting it prepped because if you're buying it prepped then it's coming in it's ready to go mm. so what would you say to people then that tell you otherwise well the minute that you order prep veg you're already you know paying you know three or four times more than the veg itself um, so there is your, you know, your, your scales of, you know, it's cost more to come in, but it's less to, to prepare. So you can look at the pros and cons of, of that. And depending, like I said, on if you have staff problems, um, at the time, um, but then, you know, why, you know, you're already paying for all of that vegetable and some, so why wouldn't you want all of it and to utilize all of it? Um, and I think that just comes down to clever menu planning as well. So um, if you're cooking for hundreds and hundreds of people, um, you know, you could, it, I, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult, it's a difficult one if you're cooking for so many people um, to take those shortcuts. But I still think that it doesn't take very long to, to, to prep some veg. Um, you know, you can do, you know, four gastro trays of mixed veg in a very short space of time. Um, so, yeah, no, I don't, I, I, I want to steer away from, prep veg as much as possible unless somebody is prepping it for you and you're getting everything a question for you when it comes to coffee grinds that there's multiple examples that i've heard of from putting them into uh, brownies and including the grinds in that um to another situation whereby in uh what we've seen since the start of covid is an explosion of horse boxes with coffee stations in them yeah. and selling at the side of the road uh, I don't know what the poor horses are doing to get around um, because they're not drinking the coffee. But they had a, a sign saying that there was coffee grounds available to take home for people that were passing. And if you want to bring along your bag and then put it in. So, again, that made a lot of sense. What would you do with coffee grounds? Because there's only so many coffee brownie, coffee ground brownies that you can actually make, consume, sell. Tell us, what else would you do with it? Yeah, so coffee brownies, coffee cookies, coffee cake. Um is uh, two great ones. You can make a coffee essence, so you can make a syrup. Um, you can do a coffee kombucha. Um, you can um, utilize them for growing. They're very good um, for putting on your plants. They're very good for, for growing veg in, um, uh, mushrooms being one of them. Um, so there's just, there's there's kind of endless, endless possibilities. Um, you know, and with the, with the syrup, you can make big quantities of that because you can then utilize that through you know, and you're constantly making it because you're constantly having it. So you're constantly having a supply of it. So you can constantly have that into your into your menu, you know, um, and alternate your cakes. So you're not still having the, the one thing. You've, you've got a few things going on. Um, uh, with better menu planning, what do you mean by that? So I, I mean about creating um, an innovative menu that works throughout. 
So breakfast, lunch, and dinner, there's, there's, you know, um, coercion between them. So I make a round circular loop system in the kitchen rather than a staggered one, which in most kitchens is how it is. So your prep for breakfast is your prep for breakfast and that's for service. And then you go into lunch and a different chef has produced a completely different mise en place and there's a changeover. And then again with dinner. So there's no, there's no consistency. There's no fluidity between the ingredients. So completely different ingredients, completely different ingredients, completely different ingredients. So what I do is create menus that work together and lead on from each other. So that from breakfast can go into lunch as a mise en place point of view, as a dish, you know, from doing that, you're reducing your, your um, ingredients, you're reducing your orders, uh, you're reducing your time spent on doing all those orders. Um, and you are utilizing everything in different ways. So, you know, you could have, um, you know, um, in the morning, let's say, oh, can't think about things in the morning. Let's say that you had um, sausages and bacon, you know, and you had them left over, um, but you're always going to have them left over. So, you know, what could you have for lunch? You could have kind of like a brunch bap, for example, which would always be a winner, you know, for lunchtime because people love that kind of brunchy thing. So there you go. There's a very quick, very easy example. Um, and um, it's, yeah, so it's about being clever. And, and by doing that um, and reducing meat I try to reduce meat when I'm doing menus now and bring in more plant-based options um or at least just reduce the meat and incorporate it with other things um but still make everything delicious and and um you know it it, it helps with yeah that makes it makes a lot of sense so essentially what you end up with is more dishes that are coordinated throughout the the menu cycle so what you're using or what you're likely to waste at breakfast time can then be used in lunch or dinner and the same again then when it comes to dinner time and likewise if there's um anything that's left over such as uh, peelings that they can then be used as an essence as a uh, a, a, a liquid or some form of ingredient in a future dish that's on your menu yeah. that it's all co fully coordinated tied yeah. in and, and and that's how you work it so you're like okay well you know i've got um carrots on for uh lunch today with the with the with the dinner um so i've got the peelings from that so i've got a lot so i can give some to pastry to make a carrot cake i can um dry some and make a durka for something next week with a, a nice dish that we're doing or you already have that on so the whole point to me is is that more of it is about that closed loop cooking which which uh, is another kind of phrase that people aren't very um knowledgeable about but if you use less ingredients and you utilize all of them throughout all of your menus that's closed loop cooking because you're utilizing everything so and it also cuts down on on labor because you're all doing the same prep if you like it's all going around in the this the, the circular um pattern that I was talking about um so you know there's 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 so many wins to it um but it's not an easy it's not easy to get into um to start with you know you have to make sort of small small swaps and um encourage people to come into it in a in a in a in a progressive way um it can't just go you know close loop <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Let's let's do a closed loop with zero waste. Uh, we're starting on Monday. Yeah. Uh, it it doesn't tend to work. <laughs> it doesn't tend to work. Walkout, yeah. But but I, I'm really interested in this because uh, the biggest the two biggest problems facing uh, food businesses at the moment is labour and is a constriction on margin due to all the costs that are increasing, both from uh, uh, inflation of the raw ingredients and also with labour and just nothing's getting cheaper. How has this worked for you in the past when it comes to the bottom line? Have you been able to realistically keep the labor cost under control and more importantly, your food cost under control? Because it is your your number one metric, your I call it your, your live and die metric yeah. uh, as a food business. How has that worked for you? Um, it works for me. I, I, I'm, I'm comfortable about having uncomfortable conversations um, with people um, and in the industry, you know, the management, you know, I've been at that level for a very long time now. Um, but beforehand, I remember, you know, trying to have conversations and, and pointing people in the right direction and, and, you know, people just weren't interested in it. Um, 
so now it's about showing highlighting using data which is key you know um when you when you're looking for you know the margins uh, and profitability uh labor costs you know it's the writing's there it's in front of you on a, you know on your on your on your tablet um so it's utilizing that and saying well we can improve by doing these steps and we can start with this and it comes back to you know i use the word education a lot and preventative measures but if you can get everything going you know all your all the all the chess pieces moving in the right direction then you've got a game and you can you can play but you've got to get everything you've got to get everything aligned you know your ducks in a row um so it's about trying to work through getting your ducks in a row and then it will and it does show and i've you know i've proven that but it does take time and so I'm going to probe a little more <laughs> because I know that you there's a good story hiding hiding behind here that I know that uh, uh, that our listeners would be very interested in. It's because uh, you've shown in the past in a previous role how you started on one margin, you then uh, made changes, and that over a period of time you're able to uh, improve and maintain and a, a better margin. Can you give me a summary as to? what you've done, how you've done it, and what the result was. So what's the, the bottom line? I don't want the actual numbers of X premises. That's not what I want, but just really in a, in a, in a summary. Yeah, well, we'll, maybe we'll do the percentage of it um, afterwards. So, um, yeah, it was a project that I, I went into and it was obvious that there was enormous problems. Um, they were staring me right in the face, yet nobody else could see them. Um and I didn't even have to look at, at, the, at the data to begin with. I just had to look at stock um, and, and what was going in the bin uh, and how people were working in the kitchen. Um, so I made some, you know, I, I, I took the low-hanging fruit technique, um, which, is, which is getting easy swaps in without, sort of under the radar, if you like. Quick Quick wins. Quick wins. Um, without making a big song and dance about it, I mean, I did, I did go, uh, you know, I did uh, talk to, to, um, you know, the GM and and just said, you know, we've we've got a a big problem here, um, but this is what I want to do, and I, I I gave him a sort of path of of how I wanted to do things, um, which was great because he just said, yeah, go on, get on with it, um, but I was dealing with a team um, that didn't have the skills um to 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 do anything else rather than they were doing and they were so institutionalized into same 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 repeat 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 um they were bored you know th- there, there was no engagement there was no crack you know there was no joy in the kitchen um and straight away for me you know the kitchen I've spent you know a great deal of my life working in kitchens and if you're going to be in there you have to enjoy it you know otherwise it's just a job and it's a hard enough job some days some days it's you know very rewarding some days it's hard um so it was a get about engaging the team working with the team spending quality time with each member of the team getting to know who they were getting to know you know what they do in their spare time getting to know what they like eating and that was a huge thing for me you know understanding that a lot of them were say pizza and burger and chips and all this kind of thing so I was like, okay, you know, I have to tackle it this way. Going into the fridge with them and saying, what's that for? You know, what's that for? That's going, that, I can see that that's rotting. Why? Why is it still sitting there? I don't know what to do with that. Nobody said what to do with it. So it just stays there until someone decides to put it in the bin. Um, so, so, so when you started, it was looking at the way it currently is. So it sounded like there was... Uh, with, with within the project there was a problem from a food waste perspective and then from the culture within the business yeah. when it came to well this is the way we do things so it's very little imagination and if there's no imagination especially with something as uh, creative as food it gets boring yeah. for the people working in yeah. it so that's it that's that's an important point because it is harder to attract people into working in a kitchen so that's an interesting aspect yeah, to it's, it. It's, Sorry. No, 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 absolutely. It, it's, it's, it's totally about engagement because there's so many people um, higher up than the, than the chefs in the kitchen that don't understand the workings of 
a kitchen and don't understand, you know, the the camaraderie, the the, the pressures, you know, um, the time constraints. Um, I'm very fortunate in the fact that I can, I've seen both sides. I've worked very hard on both sides. So I understand where, you know, the big cheese is saying, oh, but my margins, uh, you know, are not what I want. Or we need more profit here. We need to cut, 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 cut. That's always, I heard that for years and years, you know, um, and what they, and, and inadvertently what they were doing was cutting on quality, quality of staff, quality of food. So, you know, why would people come into the industry if that's what's being done? Um, so to me, it's about the two working together to align, you know, to work together, to, to, to make things better. Um, and, you know, people need a quality of life, especially since COVID. It's, it's, the, it's probably the biggest, um, you know, bonus that came from it is people understanding that, you know, there needs to be a work-life balance. And I think chefs kind of taking, or people in the food industry sort of owning that and saying, yeah, I want, I want that too, you know, which is very important. Um, people sort of standing up to it. Um, but from engaging, from the two of them coming together and the chefs being engaged and empowered in a kitchen and given that creativity which it gets taken away um when i'm in a kitchen i i embrace the creativity we'll do like you know workshops you know i'll just put some stuff on the table and say, let's let's make something but we have to use everything you know and giving them those so i'm doing little tiny workshops on a day-to-day -day basis um to to excite them to engage them and you can see it in them. Their, their, their eyes just pop and it's like, wow, I never knew that. Um, and if you can get that in the kitchen, then you're onto a winner. You have the buy-in. So as soon as you have buy-in, then you can make more changes and more adjustments and start working on the menus that work together. Start working on, you know, upskilling them in stock rotation. It's a huge thing that people don't seem to, you know, do very well. Um, and, you know let's do a special because we have X of that, you know, or we have too much of that coming in. Let's make a pickle with that. Um, so that's how, that, that's, that, that's how I, that's how I start. Um, and then it's about the waste, you know, so making them understand that everything can be used and it's not going in the bin and giving them the monetary value, you know, they'll, they'll go like, Oh, the chicken is expensive or the beef is expensive because in their head it is. But to them, it's like, you know, a cauliflower isn't expensive an onion isn't expensive. Um, but of course it is if half of it's going in the bin. Yeah. Yeah. And tell me, so identify the problem, look at the culture, okay. see about make it, getting some small wins with the team in order to get them, let's say, create a more engaging, more imaginative uh, people that's working within the business, then it's how do we make the menu work with them, with what your customers want, and to try and blend all that in together while in the meantime, chipping away and having smaller little, little workshops or little one-to-ones with the people working in the kitchen slowly changes that culture. Is that, uh, am I summarizing yeah, this right? Yeah. And, you know, going to the, the customer then, um, I, I'm a, I'm a firm advocate that, um, a customer can tell the difference between a plate of love and a plate of, I, I can't be bothered. Um, and, uh, in a, in a nutshell, if you're, if you're empowering the, the chef to, to different, to new things, to being creative and innovative, um, in a different way, then you're giving that they're going to put the love back into that food and the customer will taste the difference, um, which is a huge importance, um, you know, from the, from the, from the top floor. Um, and the other thing is, is that we're now in a very good situation where we have the power, our side to educate the customer um, and to dictate more what goes onto the menu. Um, and I think before pastimes, it's like it ha you have to have da -da 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 on your menu, you know, and you had to have those things. And, and people would like, you know, they can't they're not going unless they see it on the menu as they're standing outside. Um, whereas now we can engage them and educate them 
into why the food is, you know, understand the, the, the process of, of closed loop cooking, uh, understand about um, more, you know, more plant based. Um, and in a way, you can even do it without even having to vocalize that it's plant based, you know, lots of small plate operations going on now, which is gorgeous. And uh, certainly the way I like to eat. Um, and you can have a lot more plant based deliciousness than, you know, than the meat. Uh, or you can utilize the meat in different ways, whether it goes into, you know, just smaller amounts going into into certain dishes. Um, and, you know, that's a win win because customers are happy, chefs are happy and profits up. Yeah. On the profit. <laughs> I, we like profit. Yeah. Uh, where does because uh, what you're saying, talking about here, it sounds like it's if it was easy, everyone would be doing mm. it. Um, but why would someone do it? As in, there's there has to be a bottom line gain to it as well. Now, I'm, I'm fully bought into what you're saying. Don't get yeah. me wrong. Uh, but there has to be um, a lot of decisions in when people want to, if they want to go down this road or not. A lot of it can come down to the bottom line. Mm. What is the difference to the bottom line to having a clo closed loop system of cooking? Um, well, basically, you know, I think it, it, people, it would be lying if they didn't say that their food waste was the biggest contributor to, you know, profit loss, um, especially now more than ever. Um, and, you know, it's about, you know, people, planet and profit to me. So, you know, what I mean is, is that, um, you know, a few facts, you know, a third of food is wasted, you know, globally. Um, and, you know, if it was a country, we'd be, you know, it'd be the third biggest. It, we have all these stats running around all the time. But it's, it comes down to about, you know, 1.2 trillion in profit lost per year. This I'm talking globally, obviously. But that's a huge amount of money. Um, so why wouldn't you think about it? And there can be lots of um, solutions like some people might not be able to go the full way and I'm not saying that it's it's, it's easier for restaurants um, you know smaller businesses to maybe you know keep to that closed loop cooking but the in essence you know making those switches making those swaps reducing you know your your um, meat consumption or your offering and really tackling your food waste um, you're doing good for profit and planet so Again, the win-win. Um, why wouldn't you? And so what have you seen in the past and what does it mean in percentage terms? Uh, what do you mean is in... in... In margin. Oh, well, I mean, I suppose, look, we'll go off, we'll go off one, of, one of the um, uh, uh, companies I worked for um, where... You know, I, I the GP was was sixty one, and over a period of time, I took it to seventy seven. Um, so it made a huge difference to you know monthly incomings and profit. Um, and sixteen percent, one six, yeah. not one point six. No, one six. Yeah, yeah. Sixteen percent of a difference in your GP. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's enormous. I know. But that and 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 you know I suppose I'll, that's a case study which which I can discuss with anybody if they wanted to. But again, it's really about honing in and tackling the, the the things that I've been talking about. So it's so simple, but yet you have to go on a. It has to be a journey. You don't just go sixteen percent. You know, in, in three months. You know, you have to sort of go on this year of change which you can bring in to resonate with everybody, you know, we're coming into January and everyone will be like, I need to go on this change for myself. And, but you, people don't give themselves enough time. So there it is, you know, if you, you tell people, you know, you can give them these results, but they won't give you enough time to do it. Uh, and so they'll go back, you know, they'll fall back into the old ways because it's easier. It, 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 they know it. Um, they, they, they can't see things at three months. Well, you won't see things at three months, you know, it takes six months, it takes, you know, nine months, it takes 12 months. Um, so that's why, that's, that's why you do it. There's not a food business in the world that wouldn't want that type of improvement within with what they do. And, and again, this goes back to putting in that closed loop cooking system. So when it comes to food waste, and for a business to start addressing food waste, there's different types or where, where, where do they actually start in on their journey? 
Yeah. So look, I mean, food waste comes from, you know, it, it, it's quite complex. You know, it's not all about, um, you know, the bin, which is what most people just associate food waste to be. Uh, it's, it's like I said, you know, it's many actors that create the parts. Um, so a few stats um, that I have, you know, 23% of food waste would be from production. Um, stuff that, you know, is, is picked, but it's not used. Um, 12% from storage and handling. So how it gets to you and what you do with it, you know, has it, you know, has it, has it deteriorated before you even use it? Um, so it becomes food waste. Um, processing, whenever you're doing anything, there's going to be an element of waste. So trying to eliminate that. 5% is, 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 is processing. Um, and, um, nine, 9% 9 from distribution. Um, and the biggest player, you know, not a shock, but the biggest player, uh, of the pack would be, uh, 52%, um, happens, uh, at food consumption. Um, so you can break that down and you can address those, you know, and you can, you know, from the, you can say, well, what can I do about production? Uh, well, it's going to to find the producer that's making the that, that's growing the food and taking those ones that are misshaped or you know that people didn't want and using them yourselves and bringing them into your kitchen. Um, you know, we like the we like the rejects. You know, we like the ugly veg. Uh, it's <laughs> all veg is equal. You know, in terms of of terms of the food that it is. Um, so it's addressing things like that. Uh, if more of that was done throughout, you know, the whole food service industry, you know, we could go, we could go down a rabbit hole. We're talking about uh, supermarkets and procurement. Maybe we'll talk about that another time, but you know, it, it's, it's those like looking to, to how you can improve those little parts of the play um, to then that will bring down the big player because you're already eliminating, eliminating those things and you're reducing because you're already addressing the fact that food waste is not acceptable in the kitchen, you know? Um, and with a fifty-two percent consumption 52 waste, consumption. that's that's plate waste. Um, so that would be that would be through cooking and, and with the, and the staffing waste, yeah. side of things. With people working in the kitchen, how do they respond to this? Because if you're, I don't want to use the word institutionalized, but if you're so used to working a certain way, and all of a sudden someone comes in trying to do this, is it a case of slowly, slowly catchy monkey, as in one step at a time, or is it? There's some things we need to really address here and quick. Or how do you bring them along the journey? Yeah, so it, it's about understanding them uh, and where they're at, um, and having empathy for the fact that they don't know what you know. Um, no, you know, most people don't know, you know, half of this kind of information. So it is about not going in there all guns blazing. Now, I'm not saying that I didn't do that for the first two hours that I was in there on that particular occasion. I was a bit of a Gordon Ramsay. Um, but I, I, you know, I w went off to the office and, and had a good old chat with myself and said, okay, you know, you know what you, this, you, you see the problem and you know that you have solutions. How do I get those solutions across? So it's, tackling things one-on-one, -on -one, I got so much pushback, so much pushback, pushback from chefs, pushback from front of house, pushback from managers, um, because they didn't see the value in change. Um, so they, they, you know, you need to be able then to give them nuggets of information, let them come back to you and go, Oh, what about this? You know, so you're getting that engagement, um, you know, with the chefs, I took away, I, I remember going into the storeroom and seeing Demi Glaze um, and nearly having a heart attack and um, saying, you know, we're not using that. And, you know, the answer was, well, how do we make gravy? There I there in saw, I saw, a, you know, a huge problem there straight away. So it was very much back to basics, you know, um, and and allowing those basics to, to form a good, strong foundation to then keep on going and keep on showing them different things, you know, all the time. Great. And you don't know what you don't know. So the right. education part, again, coming back to this education and prevention and getting these two things yeah. together is, is a really important part. There's a, there's a uh, you mentioned earlier when it comes to uh, beans. beans and that's something that is uh, it's coming onto menus a lot more. Um, tell me about your experience of it and why you like to uh, cook with them. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I've, I've, I've always loved um, beans. Beans have always been in, in, in my diet from an early age. So um, there was no, um, you know, most people associate, they don't, you know, beans is something like they had beans on toast when they were a kid and, you know, they turned their nose up at it. But the beauty of beans is that there's, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of varieties um, and they are an excellent source of protein, an excellent source of very important fiber, which most people don't get in their diets. Um, they're incredibly affordable. They're incredibly nutritious, um, absolutely delicious. Um, and um, you can have a lot of fun doing different things with them throughout the whole menu from snacks all the way through to desserts. Um, and um, I'm now involved with this Beans is How campaign uh, with Chef Manifesto. And the bean was chosen to, to, to be the hero for this campaign because of all those things. It really is a powerhouse. Uh, it ticks all the boxes for people and planets. Um, and um, I'm doing a lot of work with, 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 you know, creating, you know, some really interesting recipes, um, having fun with it, really, um, and showcasing them for what they are. And when I've been working in kitchens with other people, highlighting the fact that, you know, we can make an, a, a really great dish that's incredibly cheap to make, yet you can charge, you know, a good margin on it because you're delivering a beautiful presented and a beautiful, delicious, balanced plate of food. Um, so, yeah, beans, beans for the win. Yeah, yeah that's that's interesting because um, uh, if I was to say, say some of the key words you mentioned there, protein, fiber, tasty, nutritious, what am I talking about? You'd probably say meat. Now I'm not going to get into which which is better and which isn't, whatever. But it sounds like this is a very viable alternative uh, to meat, uh, with the one difference in word was when it came to affordable. And um, because meat, let's say, it is going up a lot more. It uh, it has its its challenges. But is is this the solution for protein and fiber? Um, yeah, I, I think it is. I really generally think it is. I'm not telling people to to stop eating meat. I'm telling people or asking people, if you like, to reduce their meat consumption. Um, it, it's it's it, it's you know incredibly uh, unsustainable um, the way that we are uh, rearing livestock um, for consumption. Um, we're we're coming to the end of that road, you know, pretty sharpish, uh, and people need to see it and address it and and accept it. So again, we go back to the education, okay, it comes back in and, you know, and how to combat that, how to prevent it happening and, and getting to that, you know, D-Day is by looking at alternative proteins um, and the 50 Future Foods, um, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a list on, uh, on the website about foods to, to basically bring into your diet just to create a, a more diverse diet. Most people just eat very, you know, much the same, 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 um, and for health, you know, and, um, and environment, you know, to have a more diverse diet, um, with beans, you can really play with texture. And that's the key to me. And I think that's why, you know, I became vegetarian just mm, a year and a half ago, fully, I never ate loads and loads of meat, but I enjoyed really good meat, um, and, and fish. Um, but I was really playing around with, with beans and vegetables and textures. Um, and I didn't miss meat. So I just stopped. So it was good for me. I'm doing my little bit for, for, for the environment by not eating meat, but it, it was more through not missing it. Um, and that's the key. And that's the key for people for the, all the, in order for them to swap, it's for them not to sort of miss it. You know, Okay, because because the, the customer preferences around that is probably the biggest challenge. That if someone's used to having meat as the main part of the meal, and then there's the uh, the uh, accompaniments that goes along with that, to to make that change of having um, a, a pulse or a grain or a a bean in its place, that's probably the biggest challenge. It's a bit like with the chef in the kitchen when you come in for the first time because you don't know what you don't know, and uh, change is tough. Yeah. It comes down to that education yeah. piece. Yes, and and being creative, you know. So so you know, no, pun no pun intended. Being creative, um, yeah. You know, if, let's take a steak for example. You know, most people when they go out, they want the biggest steak on the menu. Um, you know, 
and and the sides that go with it. So, you know, can you look at reducing the size of that steak uh, and adding other things, you know, whether that be like a bean bonbon, you know, or a bean croquette with some of the shredded, you know, uh, you know, with the, some of the shredded shin and, 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 and making, you know, sort of incorporating a much more balanced, you know, much more nutritional plate of food rather than just a great big piece of meat. meat. Um, again, it comes down to changing the mindset and you have to do that gradually. And it's about not almost not saying what you're doing, just doing it and getting the feedback, you know, from that, you know, you, you get data back from, you know, did they eat it? Did they like it? You know, did it come back? Did they complain? Yeah. The education, that's the key part to it. And tell us with the, the, the trends that you see within food uh, when it comes to kitchens and the way that we eat at the moment, what do you see those trends? How would you, how would you quantify those, Ali? Um, trends. Well, it, so funny, funnily enough, I, I suppose throughout my career, I've always tried to steer away from trends. Um, but now I feel like I'm, I'm right in the middle of one with, with the beans and the, and the, the plant-based food. Um, I think certainly, you know, with the smaller restaurants and, and, and businesses, um, there's a lot more thought that goes into to where they're getting the food from. So, you know, knowing your producer uh, has become a thing, which is great. You know, knowing where your food comes from, the traceability of it. Um, I think, I think, you know, climate conscious decisions is definitely on trend. Being sustainable is definitely a, a word quite possibly overused um, in some ways uh, as a kind of get out clause, um, but it's certainly on trend. Um, and, um, and you know, costs, I think, is, is, it comes up all the time, whether you're a big, a big or a small company. So again, for them to remain competitive um, and natural way for them to go would be to reduce meat, increase beans, pulses, grains in the menu. As a result, then you, you're you're still giving the nutritional benefit without the high cost of the yeah. meat. And actually, that that that'd be a natural one yeah. straight away. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And with the blocker around that again, is it purely just simply education, or is it the know-how around how how to cook those things? Because there's serious benefits here, not just from the reduction in waste, because there's, there'll be less waste with it, uh, as in you don't have to trim a bean um whereas with a meat you you do and there's other elements um but the, surely this has a bigger part to play in esg for food service businesses yeah, yeah. um so you know with esg I, I, I kind of see esg as, as like you're getting your foundations right um you know because everybody should be thinking about you know environmental and social and, go- and governance um and it's it's alarming really how how far off some people are even with 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 ESGs um what i think of them you know you've got obviously the environmental ones are, are, are key players because you know waste and pollution you know greenhouse gases climate change deforestation you know they're a big they're they're the kind of the big guns um and people can get very overwhelmed by it um and therefore, by being overwhelmed, they can sort of sit back on it and 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 not go down the road. Um, you know, socially, um, there's definitely a more sustainable work-life balance. We've spoken about that already. But also compl- employment relations and diversity. You know, there's a lot that you, there's, you can see a lot that's happening the whole time and it's continually evolving. Um, and technology is evolving so much. So and they're all using, you know, the ESGs in the food industry, you know, I think we're just a bit behind um, and we can certainly, you know, improve things by applying ESG. And then also looking at the, the SDGs, the, the UN Sustainable Food Goals, as, as, as a more of a, um, a simplified actions, if you like, um, you know, uh, responsibility for production and consumption, um, good health and well-being for all, you know, partnerships for goals. Um, these are all these are all great um, areas to to look into, um, but going back to the chef that doesn't know how to to make it in the first place or to utilize 
you know, all the ideas. I can I can sit down with a chef and, and go through, you know, hundreds of different things to, to be done. But if that person doesn't know how to do it, then, you know, it's not going to work. Um, so um, it's about the collaboration again. So taking people like yourselves that can supply data, that can supply the knowledge, you know, the, 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 the facts that are right in front of you. And then how do I make those better? You know, by tackling the food waste issue. Um, and it's getting people then in, engaged in how to, you know? Yeah. And that's important because with, uh, with data, what's measured is managed uh, that side of things that it's, um, it's a matter of quantifying the extent of the problem and the, the the carbon footprint as well that each individual business or business unit is creating and leaving behind. Have you come across different or what kind of, would you have some metrics that you would have used in the past? Because we mentioned earlier when we were talking about the, the, the staffing side of things um, uh, and the cost of that and food cost, what would be the key data metrics that you would have used in, in, in the past that you'd find to be the most beneficial? Um, I've never worked, unfortunately, with, with a company um, like yourselves or, or others that, that um, are more digitalized. Um, I've always had to do the old school approach. So um, I basically, what I used to do is, is put containers all around the kitchen um, from from clearing plate section to, you know, what was, you know, what was coming back in jams and butters to what bread was coming back. I basically just had boxes um, and got people to, 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 you know, to put them, to, to put the stuff in there. Now, obviously not everybody did that, but it was a good gauge of, of where the problems were in the kitchen. Um, and then being able to sort of put a monetary value on them by weighing them myself, you know, on the kitchen scales and being able to say, you know, that's four pounds, four euros 50 of, of, of brown bread there, you know, that was going to go into the, you know, was going into the bin, but it, no one's touched it, you know, <laughs> it's just, but it was going to go into the bin. So what can we do with it? Um, so, um, and just uh, reducing my stock is a huge um, way of, 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 of seeing you know the, the 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 margins and and tackling those issues um and that's because i I've, I've structured the menu accordingly that i'm not just buying things in for the sake of buying them in which often happens a lot um you're planning um and you can see by the end of the month you know the difference it makes yeah yeah so a lot of it comes down to again the as part of making the commitment to be uh, a closed loop uh, business uh, because it brings in innovation, it brings in education, it brings in uh, a better culture because you've identified where the shortcomings are with your team uh, and then you look to skill and up train, up train them up slowly, slowly in order to, to, to when they do see the brown bread that's left over, uh, here's what we can do with it. Uh, if there's the loaves or the ends of white bread that they don't use in the sandwiches, here's what you can do with it from hummus to bread and butter, put it, all the rest of it. Exactly. And then to go and to put all these systems in place to make it as closed loop as possible. Um, with the with the metric side of things, then you mentioned about the food costs, is obviously the labor cost aspect of it. In the example we used, was there a, a a big increase in the labor cost if you are then all of a sudden going into prep things. Um, did did it have the opposite effect? So while your margin went up, or I, I grant you over time, did you have the opposite effect then of your labor also dramatically increasing? Well, you would think yes, but in actual fact, no, because if you again create that continuous, can, you know, the, the 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 flow in your menus, your prep is less. Because everybody comes in and they're just topping up or whatever. So no one's just prepping, 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 prepping. Something comes in, it's done, next thing. So you're actually saving, uh, which most people are like, you know, that can't be right. But it makes sense, no? So it's, it's, it's about getting everything, you know, the ducks, getting them lined up so that the menu flows so that the, the 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 prep and the labor flows and it's getting everything to work in harmony, you know? 
there's not a food business in the world that wouldn't be able to take a value out of what you're saying there, Ali. I think it's very, very good, very insightful. So thanks for sharing that with me. Mm-hmm. There, there's, uh, you're one of these people I could talk to uh, for the next two hours, but unfortunately, uh, we, we're going to have to draw an end to it at some stage. But tell me, if you were to say the three biggest challenges and or opportunities at the moment within the food food industry, what would you what do you think that they are? Um, I think, well, look, I mean, the, the big ones, it, it's staff, um, uh, it's um, it's food waste um, and, um, um, you know, costs, you know, they'd be your three, the three biggest ones. Um, and in a way to, you know, I, I, I like having my little um, analogies or same letter words to throw through to sort of give some impact. And um, four I can, I've come up with is, is the four E's. Um, you know, empower, engage, educate, and therefore you'll excel. Um, I think that they're kind of key um, and a, a method I'll, I'll, you know, keep. Great. The, the four again, empower, empower educate. engage, or educate. Engage, uh, engage. Uh, educate, excel, yeah. Great. Love it. <laughs> final, final question. Yeah. If food service had a hero... Who would it be and why? <laughs> so um, that's a tough one. <laughs> Apart, and you can't say me or you. No, okay, 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 so well, it, that narrows it down. I was going to say me and you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, uh, I'm going to sit on the fence um, and, and say that there are so many. Um, and it would kind of be, I, I, I do have a few in my head that I could single out, but I, I don't think that that's kind of right because there are so many people involved um in the food industry and there are so many people that are engaged in enabling change and finding solutions you know from management to chefs to to the tech people to producers to the client um you know it's about us being heroes together so we're working together to see problems to address them to find solutions you know there, there is no single hero um and you know people just have to to get uncomfortable you know get comfortable about the uncomfortable you know Mm -hmm. very good look i loved uh i loved the conversation ali and i think that there's a lot from uh from this conversation that our listeners can can learn from about the the closed loop uh very innovative side of things everything down to what to do with your coffee coffee grounds uh identifying the culture uh, when you go in um that's what's consistent because that's what they know and then also by uh trying to take the kitchen team out of the norm uh, and by challenging them by engaging them and then that their quality of life will then naturally improve because they're going to have more skills so th- that understanding of your team, I think, is a, you touched on that very well. Yeah, um, it's the respect but- then, and people then. I think quite often kitchens will, will often say, "I've certainly experienced a lot of it," where chefs will say, "I don't feel appreciated, I don't feel respected, I just feel like I'm just, you know," um, and that's an awful thing to hear. Uh, it should not be, you know, you know. I, I know I've been around for a long time, and it was very different thirty years ago, but you know that shouldn't be happening now. Um, People have a lot to say, and it's not just about people higher up in in the chef brigade. People that are commies and, and chef to parties have a lot to share as well and a lot to give. So it's understanding them and 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 bringing them into the conversation um, to engage them. Yeah, and helping and enabling them mm. to uh, to create that plate of love mm. uh, that you that you mentioned. Yeah. That's ultimately what we want to get to because if they're happy or doing it, they're going to stay around, which means there's less recruitment. There's less. Um, there's more knowledge ingrained in them, so they're less likely to move. Yeah, exactly, and and I think that's the key because um, if 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 you want to solve the problems, it's a it, it's that journey. Do you know? It's accepting. It's the it's the it's the it's the powers that be accepting that they need to go on this journey to get to the other side, which is going to be better, and seeing it, you know, um, and 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 just allowing it to happen um, by taking those steps. You know, hopefully that that is going to happen more. Um, you know, throughout next year and, and years to come. Great. Ali, I've really enjoyed our conversation yes. and thank you for sharing uh, your nuggets of wisdom uh, with uh, with me today on Pleasure. Food Service Matters. Thank you so much, Patrick. It's been great. 
That was Food Service Matters. Many thanks to my guest, Ali Honor, for sharing her insightful philosophies and enthusiastic attitude to tackling the problem of food waste, as well as our innovative ideas for improving business operations in the food service industry. If you'd like to continue the conversation on one of the topics that Ali talked about, leave us a comment below. Also, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and watch out for coming installments. You've been listening to me, Patrick McDermott, on Food Service Matters, the podcast where we explore the challenges and opportunities facing the food service industry today.